All right, uh, we're back. This is the two-player podcast. I'm Eric Kane, and I'm Paul Tassi. And today we're going to be talking about a show. If you haven't guessed what it is yet, <laughs> I'm just going to let this music keep playing for a little bit longer. Yeah, yeah, you got it. Game of Thrones. Um, Game of Thrones, and it's going to be an interesting episode, I think, because if I, if I, you know, I've read Paul's piece on this episode, and I've written a couple, and uh, it's not. Not necessarily the prettiest, uh, prettiest take. This is kind of a an off episode for the show, I'd say. Would you agree? I, I'd agree. I mean, I haven't even finished exploring the depths as to where I where I didn't really like that episode, but <laughs> yeah. especially compared to the premiere. But yeah, it was a strange. I mean, there was something really off. I felt like about the entire episode. I mean, except for a couple of good moments. Like I was thinking about it this morning, and this is something I didn't even write about, but. There's that scene where Daenerys and all the sort of matriarchs of Westeros are gathered and Tyrion and Varys and everybody. And at the end of the scene, Olena says, you know, can I speak with you privately or whatever? And Dany says, leave us. And everybody just sort of turns around and walks really awkwardly out of the room. <laughs> Shuffles it, away. <laughs> they just sort of shuffle out. There's not, no one's like, yes, my grace. No one bows. Like they all just sort of turn around and walk out like a... It reminded me kind of, of like a high school play where, you know, that you do you get the blocking down, but then it's kind of like people leave the stage and it's kind of this awkward. Exit right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's like, it was such a weird shot. And I thought that's sort of emblematic of the whole episode, which was sort of filled with these awkward, weird, half-baked there, moments. There were so many awkward scenes in that episode. Yeah. And like, this is kind of a, a larger, like a kind of a larger issue where I'm just, I'm really starting to miss... George R. R. Martin's writing and like yes. that, that sounds weird and like it's not just as like a book stop <laughs> and it's it's not even just kind of what you said about the logic and coherence of character motivation I literally mean like the like like the writing of the characters like the, their lines because like that whole Jon Snow speech that he gave to um, you know the other houses like that was just such an awkward scene he's like well we need to do this and I know it might be a trap but I'm going to do it anyway and it was just it was it's just it's not on the same level as like kind of the show yeah. used to be, or like the scene where Littlefinger confronts John in in the the cellar. Like that was also just really off for me. Where it, it, I don't know, the, the show's kind of being reduced to its base elements, and I thought it was it was kind of funny to me because there's that that moment where Davos is reading the letter, and then it has uh, the line from from Tyrion about like oh I'll. All or all dwarves are bastards in their father's eyes, and I'm like, oh, it's a reminder of when this show used to have like really good lines that yeah. were, were really memorable, and it just it doesn't have that anymore for the most part. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, and I think Tyrion is a great example of of where we've just really lost a great character. I mean, he's not dead, but he may as well be because I mean, what has he done? And I mean, in I don't know how many episodes now he has barely done anything. He's barely been witty or interesting, you know, since he left King's Landing. I mean, there was some good stuff, you know, obviously with Varys and then with Jorah. But yeah, I mean, you're right. Like all dwarves are bastards in their father's eyes is such a great line. And I picked up the books the other day and I was just sort of thumbing through and reading passages. And there's just there's so much of that in the books. It's one I guess is the reason they're so popular because Martin really, you know, he he has his his shortcomings, but he really can write. Yeah. And and we're seeing that. You know what I thought was one of the most like laugh out loud moments was when they they 
talk, they're talking about the, you know, Melisandre's there and they're talking about the Azor Ahai or however you say that. <laughs> actually, uh, the word. And, yeah, and Miss Sandy's like, oh, actually, this can be translated as boy or girl. <laughs> was... And it's like, oh, fuck off. <laughs> I mean, I mean, even if that's true, that was just such an awkward way of, of putting it. Like, oh, it's I, so I, on the I, nose. I've heard this, yeah, this show in in the past little while <laughs> described as as fan fiction, where I think that that's kind of an accurate description. Like, I don't want to totally bag on the show, and the show has done some really awesome things that I think have have almost improved on certain aspects of the book in many mm-hmm. ways. But now, I think the longer it goes, and and the more we kind of head towards. A finale where everything has to come together the less I'm, I'm starting to feel that and the more i find myself wondering i'm like oh well, what would martin actually be doing here like because this doesn't seem like <laughs> something that would happen in the books and i it, it's not really the feeling of like oh the books are or the show's improving on the books um you know in this way and that way it's they've really kind of just they're sailing out on their own and it's it's getting a little weird <laughs> you know speaking of sailing um you know the episode ends with with a bit of sailing and that again, like it, it, it's just such a weird scene because you want it to be exciting. You want it to be like a cool fight, you know. There's the sand snakes and they're getting killed, which you know who cares because they're pretty <laughs> useless on the show. And Euron is like crazy, like straight off the the cast of Vikings, you know, like, and it does none of it makes any fucking sense at all, like. Like, how did he find them? How did he specifically find their ship and ram it? How did uh, – just what is going on, honestly? And then and and then why – okay, so what I wrote in my article was, you know, why, you know one of the things I wrote is why, why did they go from – why did Alaria <laughs> and Elena and all of them travel with da- Daenerys to Dragonstone when they could have just stayed in Sunspear, worked out their plans, and then – gone from there does that make sense to you not really like i think you have to have some knowledge of the map where that doesn't make sense whereas maybe i think on the show they're kind of hoping <laughs> that no one knows just, where just, anything is. just ignore that um because like if you if you don't really know where, where the layout is like yeah if you do it doesn't make any sense at all and i totally agree with with the points you made about that in your article um i think that was one they were maybe trying to just slip past the Fans, I don't know. We sound like snobs, but <laughs> or, or just huge dorks who know the Game of Thrones map. But, <laughs> but I think a lot of people do at this point. I would yeah, say that yeah. even show watchers have Googled the map and looked at it. You know, maybe not everybody, but mm-hmm. a lot. I would say a pretty large group of people have. And 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 in that same vein, even if they did go to Dragonstone, well, okay. If the Unsullied are now sailing to Casterly Rock, wouldn't they just also go with Yara and them? as far as you know the dornish peninsula because they have to sail all the way around that peninsula right. now all well, the way around okay so even to yeah, that's Rock. weird but even on the other side even on Euron's side like the, the whole the whole like gift to cersei thing is so weird we're like cersei's trying to secure him as an ally and get him to use his fleet to mess up the other fleet and then, but before they've even made that deal, he just does it anyway. <laughs> so, like, yeah. After he's butchered like the original Iron Fleet, like what? <laughs> it was such a weird tactical decision that it could have just gone so terribly for him. It just, I don't know. Maybe he's just reckless, and that's how it works. And he just loves Cersei that much, where he's gotta, you know, <laughs> risk everything on some crazy tactical maneuver. Um, which, which, yeah, like you said, pretty much fulfills the. Uh, the 
allegiance, even though, yeah, they have. I mean, well, the whole Iron Fleet is ridiculous at this point. It's basically the strongest, like, naval fleet in the universe. And, like, with that kind of power, the Iron Islands should probably be in control of the Seven Kingdoms by now. Yeah. Like, how did, if, if they have this, you know, in a few months, if they can rally this kind of uh, naval power with that many men, like, how did they ever get beaten down by Robert and Eddard in the, in the original land, land fighting. They're very bad at apparently, but they've got islands. I mean, yeah. how did they get to the, how did they ever get to the islands with all these ships, you know, in the way I just, the yeah. whole thing, it, they've really kind of lost the thread and, and that's a little worrisome. And I'm hoping, you know, I'm okay with kind of forgiving some logical inconsistencies and making exceptions and kind of just glossing over stuff when the writing and the acting and everything else is engaging enough that it's fun to watch. Mm-hmm. So there's a ton of problems since the show left the books behind, I think. And and there's a ton of problems even with some of the changes they've made. And I would say like with Sansa's storyline in particular. But I can forgive a lot of things until we get episodes like this one that are just also not very entertaining. They're just not very good. Yeah. And I it's th- weird because they only have – like that's you the know, problem is like now when we drop a bad episode, it's like oh no, that was one of the ten percent of the remaining episodes. <laughs> yeah. Now we're uh, there's only eleven left or whatever it is now. But yeah, it's it's like increasingly stressful now when there's like not great episodes. But all right, well, was there was there anything this week that you did like so we can not be negative for the mm-hmm. whole twenty minutes here? <laughs> okay, well I'm gonna give a mixed bag on this next one because okay. uh, I liked. <laughs> So this Sam, I've been enjoying Sam. Yes, okay. I love yes. Sam, and he's been funny, and and I like his stuff at the Citadel. I think it's kind of ridiculous that he has, in two weeks now, discovered the Dragonglass Mountain and <laughs> the cure for for grayscale. You know, like superpowers of reading. <laughs> yeah, he is. You remember, Stannis, of course, sent far and wide across the land to find a cure for. Uh, the daughter he would eventually burn to death at the stake. Oh, all they had to do was carve it off her face, apparently. <laughs> all they had to do, yeah. And it would have been so easy. And if Sam had been there, he would have figured it out right away. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of irritating. But I still kind of liked the scene. Although I don't know why. I kept saying, why isn't he giving him milk of the poppy? Don't they give milk of the poppy to everybody? Oh, that's a good like, point. Yeah, I didn't even think about well, that. I mean, <laughs> nope, here's a stick. <laughs> But then it segs to the to the pot pie from the you know the carving of flesh to the pie, and it was just a, that was they love they love those transitions this season. Uh, They're like yeah. all about these transitions. Uh-huh. It's pretty funny. Yeah, I like it. Is, it. it is funny. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I agree. I thought that was a good scene. Um, I just I don't know why. I just really like seeing Sam and Jorah together. Like just because they they were such disparate kind of yeah. characters it's it just generally I, I have to admit i really enjoy seeing like seeing all these characters kind of come together and i'm super hyped for Jon snow to finally meet daenerys because like i have no idea like if they're going to do the ultimate kind of fan fiction wish where they're like are at fall in love or if they become like bitter enemies or i don't know i think that's really going to be interesting and I'm, I'm very curious to see how they handle that do, do you think that that's going to happen soon I mean, um, I know he says he's going to go there, and he has a teleportation device in uh, in Winterfell. Ju- judging by the fact that everyone else is just teleporting around the map now, I don't <laughs> know if they're going to waste more. I wouldn't say more than one or two episodes of travel time. I mean, maybe it yeah. won't be next week, but they're they're getting people places pretty quickly now. I don't. There, there's no more like, oh, here's Arya and the Hound trucking across the country for six, you know, months and two years. Yeah. 
I think they're kind of kind of done with that at this point. So, well, actually, speaking of Arya, that's the maybe the only character we see traveling anymore. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, um, we see her traveling, and and that's I like that. I, I really like that actually. Yeah, we. Um, I, <laughs> if we're talking about scenes we like, I did not. I did not particularly like the wolf scene, but <laughs> no, that was weird, right? I mean, I liked that the wolf that we got to see Nymeria, you know, I, I liked the, the idea behind it, but the execution and the sort of where it went was very strange. The, the problem was, is in the books, the wolves are always like referenced a lot. Like, oh, there's this growing pack of wolves, like led by this mm-hmm. like beastly she-wolf, like roaming around the countryside, like killing Lannisters or something. And it, it's alluded to quite frequently, but in, in the show, like I was watching my wife and she's like, where, she's like, when did she lose her wolf? I'm like, I don't, I'm like at season one. I, I was like, I was really struggling yeah. to try and kind of remember what even had. Like, did she set her free when when Lady was killed? I I, I honestly like couldn't remember, and we haven't seen yeah. the wolf since so long. Um, I only I even forgot. Well, did, is Ghost still alive, or did Ghost yeah, die? Ghost, we just don't see I him. Think, okay, I think Ghost is alive, but they only have CGI budget for yeah. like one wolf per season. I was and, like, I didn't think uh, Ghost died, but. I, I don't know where he is, if he's with John or if he's at the wall or something. But Yeah, I don't know. They've been really weird about the wolves in general. And I feel like that that is one of those things in in Game of Thrones, the TV show. One of those tells that, that they don't quite, you know, they may love the books and they may be big fans and mm-hmm. they may be doing their best to adapt it. But they're just there are these things that feel like they don't quite get. <laughs> well, that's what this week felt get. like with the wolves. Where they're like, oh, you yeah, know, we have wolves. Yeah. Like, let's do a wolf scene for the first time in you know five years with yeah. this wolf we forgot about. And, um, and in the books, Arya is dreaming about the, the wolves also because oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, numerous of the Stark children have that warg. Yeah, warg-ish sensibilities. Uh, warg-ish sensibility, yeah. And, I mean, only Bran really um, really – sort of follows that path, but, but John mm-hmm. and Arya both have that also. And Arya is dreaming about the wolves. And I think like, you know, in a show that was taking its time a little more, that would have been something that could have been played up for like two or three episodes, you know, Arya waking up from a dream about wolves. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's how you introduce something like that so that it's not quite so, so <laughs> abrupt. Didn't you say at the end, like, that wasn't you or something like, like, Oh, it's yeah. some other direwolf that looks exactly like your direwolf. No. So I read about that and I actually added it in an update to my review. Oh, but did you? what the, what it is, is it, she says, that's not you. And it's a reference to when Ned Stark is talking to Arya Stark in the first season and tells her that someday she'll be a lady in a castle or something like that. And she said, no, that's not me. And wow, I would, she man, is I saying, would not have caught that. <laughs> I know it's it's seven seasons later. So how are you supposed to catch that? It's yep. it's yeah. It's that's a pretty obscure. I don't little, really get that in that context, but okay. <laughs> so what she's saying is, you want to come with me to Winterfell, and then the wolf doesn't want to. So she's saying no. Oh, I get it. You. So you're she not, wants to like you're not a castle and whatever. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. You're wild, I guess that makes like sense. you know. Yeah, it okay. makes now sense. Now I like that slightly more, but. <laughs> It's not bad. The problem is, is that when you are referencing a obscure snippet of dialogue seven seasons earlier, like what are the chances <laughs> you have to go on Reddit, Reddit and read all the threads about yeah, <laughs> everyone dissecting like, every line? <laughs> and and then that's, I mean, and, and of course, some of that's going to be inevitable, no matter what, when you yeah. get into a long show like this. But uh, yeah, that was that was 
That was a little ridiculous. <laughs> I, I didn't I didn't love that scene either, but I uh, I, I liked the hot pie scene. Um, oh, yeah. it was, was kind of nice okay. I couldn't remember if it was this week or last week. Yeah, the hot the hot pie scene was was good, and I liked the decision she had to make to choose to go to Winterfell instead of King's Landing. That was a really that was a really good moment. Yeah, it was it was a great moment, and it's exciting for her to head that direction. Though whether she makes it or not, we'll see. I mean, Bran got to Castle Black not that long ago, and he still can't make it down to Winterfell. So well, she's got to run into the Hound, right? I mean, I assume yeah. that she would. Yeah. I don't know. I don't even know what. Uh, Hound and Beric are trying to do at this point. Like I don't know where they're going, or <laughs> I think they're going to the north to fight. Oh, they the are. Right oh, members. yeah, yeah, because they yeah. saw the vision in the flame, so they're going to try and help with that. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Um, I think so. So I wonder how much of this also is plaguing George R. R. Martin, but it feels like to some degree, just the nature of the story has changed so much from a Game of Thrones with political intrigue and, you know, actual sort of human dynamics and conflicts that are not easily resolved, uh, you know, betrayal and, and tragedy and all that to a story that's about where everything is larger than life. And I don't just mean the White Walkers, but also, you know, we've gone from, you know, Tywin Lannister to Ramsay Bolton. We've gone from the Red Wedding to... Uh, inexplicable sort of plot points like Littlefinger taking Sansa to the north. Uh, you know, and, no, and then we, we sort of have gotten to this place where everything's coming to a head. And is it just not as interesting? Is it just harder for the show and maybe for Martin writing the books to create such an interesting dynamic that, that we got in the earlier seasons? Like, is it all going to be so predictable? I just don't... I don't know. I'm, yeah, I'm a little nervous. I don't nervous. know either. Like lately, everything's kind of felt a little, a little happy ending ish, where everyone's getting their revenge, you know, <laughs> on the exact people that wronged them in the exact coolest possible way they could get revenge, like with Ramsey and with you know the phrase. So I do wonder kind of how it's all going to shake out in the very end, where you know some one major character has to die, one will survive. It's just it's hard to imagine like. You know, it's not like the White Walkers are just going to roll in and crush everyone and they're dead. Like, I, I think there's going to have to be some balance between, you know, the kind of crushing horror that happens, you know, across the Song of Ice and Fire, but then not this overly rosy ending where everyone gets their just desserts and the, everyone else is, you know, living happily ever after. So I, I am curious to see how both the show and the books will balance that. Yeah. I mean, it, it has to be a little bittersweet, but at the same time... I have this, I don't know, I've just been thinking about, like, what is the point of grim, like, everything being so grim? Like, I feel like it, like, a, okay, so, like, a good story arc, in my opinion, is uh, one in which everything gets worse before it gets better. Like, I, I to me, that's some of the best writing advice you can that's get. Mo- that's a lot of stories. <laughs> a lot of stories, right? Everything gets worse before it gets better. Mm-hmm. And boy, did everything get worse in Game of Thrones. But I feel like there was a tipping point right around the Red Wedding, right? Where everything just got so much worse that in- inevitably, pretty soon it had to start getting better. But then where the story went was, let's make it even fucking more horrible. <laughs> let's introduce Ramsey Snow, who is so bad that he makes everyone else look like, you know, Joffrey's like nice guy comparatively, right? So let's just make it even worse. 
and put all our characters through even more shit. And at a certain point, and I was saying this around, you know, gosh, I don't know, season five, you know, Jon Snow's stabbed to death and Sansa's getting raped by Ramsay and all that. And I'm, and I'm thinking, okay, this has gotten into a point where it's just so bleak. Too much, too much. And so awful. Like, at, at what point do things start getting better? But then you run into the problem like, okay, now we still have two seasons where we need to make resolve everything. I mean, do things keep getting worse still before they get better, or, or are we start? Do we do we do we deserve now as viewers, as 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 uh, I mean, an audience, to get better now because it's been so bad? The way for so I long. see it is, we, we've kind of gone through a little stretch of time, like what I just said, where th- where things did get better for a while, and like the really evil people died, and like you know, where you know Ramsay was killed, and the Freys were killed, and. The Starks are being reunited, and Daenerys is all her, you know, her huge army, and she's ready to go and conquer everything. So I think it did get go through this little get better phase, but I think we're about to head into another maybe mini mini bleak <laughs> phase, where mini you bleak. know Daenerys's plan starts to fall apart, um, and then Littlefinger is probably going to go after Jon in the north, and I I imagine we are not going to get through a Game of Thrones you know series finale without the wall coming down. <laughs> Um, you know, whether, I don't know if that'll like be the end of all things, but that'll certainly happen. So I I think we're about to go through another kind of dip here and then, but then at the very end, again, I don't know if it'll all surge back up again and everything will be great or if we'll, if it'll kind of be a mix or what will happen then. It's just kind of an odd place to be in, in regards to a story. I feel like, you know, yeah, because, because there's, I mean, how many sort of climactic moments can you have? How many sort of you know terrible defeats and major victories can you have before it all starts to sort of plateau? Well, I think that's I why know. they're I think that's why they're ending it, and I think they may have kind of foreseen that, and they're like, okay, well, we don't yeah. want to do like five more seasons without you know George R. R. Martin, <laughs> you know, as, as right. a reference. So I think we we kind of know we have a vague idea of where we want to go, and we're just going to fill in the fill in the blanks, and then we're going to give it another thirteen episodes. So now that's actually starting to make yeah. a lot of sense as to why it's kind of wrapping up you know so quickly but <laughs> it's yeah yeah it's gonna have its, its challenges some, for sure yeah and i think that in the rush to finish it i mean i hope that they don't leave out too much of the sort of good character stuff that makes this show so great you know yeah i think they uh, still there's you know this the pilot i think had a lot of good character stuff this or not the pilot the first episode of the season this episode will probably only have one or two scenes, but I, I don't think they're fully leaving that stuff behind yet um, out, outside of a few exceptions. So I have yeah. faith that they'll keep kind of plugging away at that aspect of it. Um, one last little part of the, sh- of the episode that I wanted to ask you about. What, what, what was your take on, the, on kind of the Daenerys stuff? Like Daenerys and Varys and Daenerys and Olena and Daenerys summoning Jon Snow to bend the knee uh, <laughs> yeah, I I think they're kind of torn as to what to do with her now, whether to make her this kind of benevolent ruler, this fearsome thing. And they're literally kind of playing that out with like, oh, Olena's telling her to be mean and like Tyrion's telling her to be nice. And like, who do you listen to? Um, I, 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 I liked the Varys scene. I thought that was good and kind of a good exploration of his character and why he does what he does and why he looks like he's always betraying so-and-so, but really it's kind of for the good of the realm and the people. Um, and like given his upbringing, that's where he's come from. 
the other stuff, I don't know. I wish Tyrion had more to do, obviously, like we covered earlier, and just saying, like, okay, we're going to do this military thing, and you probably shouldn't burn King's Landing down. Like, he, he was, like, one of the leads of the show, and now he's, like, he's pretty much, like, the Sir Davos of this little party here, which yeah, is, is kind of it. lesser. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think they need to get out of Dragonstone pretty quickly, or this is going to turn... <laughs> a little sour. I don't think they can just hang out there in the war room for too much longer. Yeah, but what happens when the fucking Sons of the Harpy show up? Oh, please. Please tell me we're done with the Sons of the Harpy. Please. They're going to show up and they're going to murder her whole army. One, one rips off his mask and it's... it's um, what's, what's that dude's name? It's Barristan Selmy. He's back and <laughs> leading, he's leading the Sons of the Harpy. Now, now he's leading the Sons of the Harpy. The perfect finale. <laughs> Oh my god. It's the twist we've all been waiting for. Yeah, exactly. Um, I I I sort of feel like Dany's become like she's always so regal now. She's like the queen and she's lost like some, some humanity in a way and it just bugs me like she's so cocky. Like she is a little you know, cocky. Just, she, yeah. She I'll, knows I'll nothing about She knows nothing about Jon Snow. She knows nothing about the North. She knows good, nothing. Good, good about reference. Any- <laughs> yeah, you know, I I had to throw that in there. But so she, and yet she's like just confident that what she should do, rather than make an alliance with the King in the North, is to get him there to bend the knee. Like, you know, I I just I mean, yeah, I that get, was, that like, was a little smart. Wants- <laughs> yeah. It's Although I did, like I did like the yeah. part. I did like the part about how she talked about like, oh, is everyone toasting secretly to my name? And <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, I, I thought that was kind of funny where she like sees through that bullshit. <laughs> yeah, she sees through it, but then she kind of still acts like. Yeah, 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 that's true. <laughs> like why? OK, here's something that I just want. I want the show to answer this. I want the books to answer this. Why does she want to be the queen of Westeros? Why? Good question. Nobody ever answers that question. I mean, w- w- all she wanted when she was married off to Khal Drogo was to go back home to the apartment she was living in and, like, to, to relive her happy childhood memories and not have to be a sex slave and not have to be, you know, a part of her brother's crazy ambitions. And then... She just turns around completely and is like, yes, I need to be the queen of everything. And it's never really explored all that well. Why? Why? You know, yeah. Jon Snow's like, I don't even want to be king. You know, and I get that. I, I You know, yeah, we've had enough characters. Yeah, that we've had enough characters who really want to be the king or they want to be the queen. Or they, and it's it's kind of refreshing to have Jon Snow be like, look, I'm just doing this because because <laughs> I, I, I need to. Somebody has Somebody to do has it. To, yeah. like, and but da- Daenerys I mean, is like another. Of, Daenerys, another it's kind Cersei, of a combination like, of of revenge and rights. Like I think she kind of takes it on herself to redeem her entire family's name at this point, and certainly against the Lannisters. I mean, it it might be about sitting on the throne, but it's also about kicking the Lannisters off the throne when they were the ones that kind of ousted her. So that that might play into it. I I would like to be optimistic and say that it's because she genuinely wants to help people and like make Westeros better as like a nice ruler. But if she cared that much about helping people, she could have stayed in Marine and just <laughs> figured yeah. that whole thing out. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't yeah, know. I don't might, know if there's an easy answer for that. You know, I, yeah. And I, I wish, you know, almost at this point in the story, it would be interesting if she'd found out about the white walkers and it had it and was actually just 
planning to head north, you know, or something like that. Right now, it just feels like I mean, another, just like the wall is going to fall. We are, we are getting a dragons versus White Walkers battle. It might be like the last well, yeah. episode, but that that is happening at some point. <laughs> That's yeah, inevitable. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> and, and then the show is clunkily definitely. spelling that out. Hey, you know what's <laughs> good? Yeah, right, ice monsters, dragon fire. Hmm. <laughs> Wait, really? Like, you know what else is good? Episode. Dragons, though. Yeah, I, I know it was. It was like I think it was Davos or something. But <laughs> yeah, it's like you know, you three dragons could really come in handy <laughs> against this ice army. <laughs> At that point, it's like you don't even need Sam's horde of dragon glass weapons. It's like, what's the point? Just Get well, the dragons what if there. no? But here's the thing: What if the White Walkers and the Night King have ballistas? <laughs> you know, what if they have those? Because so we've our, learned our, our ballistas, the new dragon horn. Is that like the dragon that's solution? The, all I think, you that, have I think to that's do what it is. Is shoot a dragon that's flying around. <laughs> that was another with a great very part. Very large weapon. <laughs> Did you know if you harpoon dragons, they can like get hurt? <laughs> like why was, that, some, why was that a breakthrough? It was like, like the most logical thing on earth. It's like well, and also the like died somehow. <laughs> Kyron oh, acts like it's some new new invention or something too. I mean. Look, I mean, if you maybe that castles, specific type of ballista is, but I got really mad when she was going to shoot the skull. I'm like, don't blow up the skull. It's such a treasured heirloom. <laughs> yeah. But it's anyway, we're getting up, we're getting up track. But <laughs> okay, all right, yeah, I think uh, I think we've uh, that's it. Cue, cue the exit. Oh music. my god, it's the end music. <laughs> yeah. Where'd that come from? You should you should end, you should play the end music as like Reigns of Castamere or something. <laughs> oh, that would have been good. Next time, yeah. next all time. Right. We'll do that. We'll do the reigns of Castamere when there's a big character death yes, that we have to talk yes, about. Good. <laughs> you know, who who, who do you think is going to die next? Um, I mean, probably one of the kidnapped people, like Alario or Yara, which is kind of lame, but yeah, <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, yeah. You think Grey Worm is going to die? Maybe just if if only to spare us more of those scenes. <laughs> <laughs> well, we won't touch that one. Yep. Okay. <laughs> and on that note. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, thanks for listening, week. everybody. All right. See you, man.